Hey, fuck demons, and welcome to Sex News with Ray, the podcast where we talk about current events and sex. And as mentioned, for this part of the season, we are being joined by different Jewish people who were involved in the Jewish organization that I worked for before I quit to work at a sex club. So for anyone listening who only knows one Jewish person or no Jewish people, I think this will really drive home the point that we are people with diverse opinions and not one of us can speak for all of the Jewish people and we do not have a collective experience. Today we are joined by Joey. Joey, why don't you tell us about yourself? Hi, Ray. I'm so happy to be here. Wonderful to see you. Um, my name is Joey. I am 24 years old. I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I'm a graduate student studying professional leadership and educational leadership. I graduated from university. I spent too much time with Canadians. I say university now. Huh. Um, in <laughs> 2018 and right after graduating, I worked for my fraternity for a year. And then I worked for the same organization that you worked for, right? And that's how we met each other. And Yeah. For those of you who have been following along, Olivia and I, a few episodes ago, texted on the Youth Group to Fraternity Pipeline, and Joey was part of that pipeline, I believe, in terms of working for the fraternity that then also encouraged the people who joined the pipeline to joining the fraternity, correct? Yeah, yeah, that is is entirely correct. That was my entire job when I, well, part of my job when I worked for my fraternity. Just encouraging people to join later. But it was my favorite part. It was fun. I feel like our jobs were fun. I thought we had a good time. Yeah. I mean, that and, you know, hanging out in the staff room at conventions, eating snacks. You guys had had the best staff room at conventions. Shout out to my old boss who will remain nameless for uh, making sure that we had good snacks. Shout out to your entire region for making me fall in love with all dressed chips. Right. You guys don't have all dressed chips or ketchup chips in the States. We don't. And every time I go to the grocery store, I look for them. Um, If I come to visit you ever... Um, which I might because there's lots of fetish stuff happening where you live. Um, I will make sure to bring you some all-dressed chips. All right. So today in sex news, the article is Raw is Law. I love how that thing autocorrected to Ray. Raw is Law, how anal sex without condoms is going mainstream. It's an article from Vice from January 14th, 2021. So very recent. To summarize, I'm going to start with a quote. PrEP hasn't just made condomless anal sex less risky, it's also made it a more accepted proposition on dating apps like Grindr. Grindr has more people asking for condom-free sex, and so the story opens up with a man who was invited to join a private WhatsApp group for men who want to have bareback sex. Bareback meaning condom-free. More than half of gay men in a survey reported having sex without condoms, and since PrEP has become available, that number is growing. What PrEP has done for many is lift the guilt and shame associated with sex, and I would imagine that means that more men are choosing to have condomless anal sex, he says. But let's not think they're having unprotected sex. PrEP is a prevention method, and those who are using PrEP correctly are protecting themselves and their partners against HIV. Why are people choosing bareback? It's more intimate, or it feels more taboo, which is sexy. So, you know, it's bringing you closer together emotionally, Or it's just that pure sex part of you that's being spoken to, I guess. The article then discusses the shame around condom-free sex rooted in the HIV movement and how it's been passed on to younger generations. The consequences can be catastrophic. When people feel ashamed about the sex they're having, they're far more likely to hide it, the man who's being quoted says. That can affect their mental health and self-esteem and create a good gaze versus bad gaze divide. These men are far less likely to engage with sexual health services in a truthful way. Joey, what did you think of this article and what do you think of the claims made in it? I thought it was, oh, excuse me. I thought it was a pretty interesting article. Um, I'll admit I was first drawn to it because uh, January 14th is my birthday. So I like felt some sort of connection to it. 
Um, no, I thought it was really interesting. And I'll be honest, um, in my time on Grindr, I'm, I'm a gay man. I'm currently off of Grindr, though. I feel like I have seen a lot more people wanting bareback sex. And I, I thought the claims in the article about PrEP, which is a lot more prevalent now, were really interesting the way that it helps frame people's experiences and like allows for, I think, more freedom in sexual experiences and sexual desires. Yeah, no, I, I thought the quotes from people were very interesting, how it like sort of offered their take where it like does feel safer because a lot of these men are on prep, but also at the same time, like it carries those feelings of still sort of being taboo. And I, I thought the end part from the individual, from the the organization, how it like, we can't let it divide us into like good gays versus bad gays camp was, was a, a really important claim for the article to make right at the end there. One thing in the article that I definitely did not review was the part where they talk about how, yes, PrEP prevents you from getting HIV, but it doesn't actually protect you from any of the other STIs that you can contract, which I thought was very interesting. And I also know that straight guys frequently try and have sex without condoms. I know that in hookup culture, there are a lot of guys who will try and convince a partner in the moment to just, oh, we don't need a condom, as if condoms are just a barrier to you having a good time and they're not an actually important part of maintaining um, like bodily safety for a lot of people, specifically women. Yeah. Like it's about more than just pregnancy and more than HIV. I feel like HIV is like the pregnancy of gay world in terms of the thing that people are most afraid of. Yeah. I could be wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's it's certainly something that I think about when I like go into into hookups. You know, it is it's always sort of in the back of your mind. I think I think it's just something that gay men have been like conditioned to think about. I mean, like the the article even even mentions um, the way HIV and AIDS were talked about in the late eighties and nineties has scared up community and it's going to take generations to get over it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just like you're you're constantly thinking about it. That or like having your kidneys stolen. But I think that's also a really universal experience. I still have both of my kidneys, though. Right? Is this hookup going to result in me getting murdered and waking up in a <laughs> or waking up in a nice bath? Yeah. Well, yeah, the reason I make the comparison to pregnancy is because you'll have guys ask things like, oh, are you on the pill? And if the girl says yes, oh, so then do we need a condom? Yes, you still need a condom. So it sounds like, oh, do you have HIV or are you on PrEP might be the version of are you on the pill? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's that's a pretty accurate like comparison. Uh, for people who don't know what PrEP is, would you like to explain it or should I? I think you might do a better job of it. I will attempt. Um, it is a pill that prevents the spread of HIV. If you are currently HIV negative, it is a pill that you can take. I am not currently on it. I keep meaning to, but I haven't actually gone to see my physician in over a year uh, because of pandemic vibes. So yep. <laughs> I haven't gone and done that yet. Um, but it, it basically, I think, stops you from contracting it. If you already have it, it doesn't do anything. But if you do not have it, it is a way to keep yourself safe. And I think the article says that it's like 99% effective. It's when like, taken it correctly. Be, when taken correctly. I mean, like, it's it's a breakthrough. It is, like, a revolutionary, like, crazy thing that is available now. Yeah, I'll fill in some of the gaps. That was actually a very great explanation. So PrEP stands for pre-exposure pro prophylaxis. 
So the idea being that it's it's pre the exposure to HIV protection. It prevents someone who is on PrEP from contracting HIV if they are exposed. But also I'm going to take this moment to give people a little bit more fun HIV information to dispel some stigma and myths. As you should. Um, there is actually HIV medicine called antiretroviral therapy or ART. This can reduce the amount of HIV someone has in their blood, and this is called their viral load. HIV medicine can make the viral load very low so low that a test can't detect it. This is called an undetectable viral load. People with HIV who keep an undetectable viral load or stay virally suppressed can live long, healthy lives. And viral suppression is defined as having less than 200 copies of HIV per milliliter of blood for anyone who cares. If a person has an undetectable viral load, they have effectively no risk of transmitting HIV to an HIV negative partner through sex. Undetectable means untransmittable. So having an undetectable viral load will also help prevent transmission to others through sharing needles, syringes, or other injection equipment, because I know you just love doing, I know how much you love needle drugs, Joe. <laughs> Not at all. Only, only red wine and beer. Yeah. So the, the legal, the legal drugs, caffeine, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So the idea here is if you are a gay man on PrEP and you're HIV negative and you are with someone who is HIV positive, but they are taking antiretroviral therapy medicine, you, there is almost, I would say, a very close to 0% chance that you will get HIV. I can't say 100% certainty because, once again, everything has to be taken correctly. But this is this is revolutionary. Yeah, the, the ART therapies are like, I mean, I think they've been working on them for decades now. And I believe they just get better and better and allow people to live really healthy, vibrant, happy lifestyles, which is a fantastic thing. Do we think we're going to go back to the 1970s Woodstock era of just free love and people fucking in fields? And I have no idea what actually happened at Woodstock other than it was a concert. But, uh, you know, do we think that it's going to become a fuck fest? I have no idea. I think, I mean, I downloaded TikTok in September, which is like a huge segue. But I feel like the attitudes people have around just like bodies and relationships are uh, changing in a lot of ways, a lot of really healthy ways. And I think if, if not that, I think people will just be a lot more upfront and honest and, you know, stating what they want, how they want it. And as long as there is consent and it is safe and healthy and we're all happy, more power to you, you know? What's it like in Gayland dating right now as a young, early 20s, young professional back in school? Hell. It's hell. Tell me more. I, the last date that I went on, I believe, was, uh, well, no, I did go on a date over the summer. The last hookup that I had was in February of 2020. So it has now been a full year since I have, like, really gone on a date and hooked up with someone. Um, I went on a date. I drove two hours uh, to Michigan over the summer for, like, an outdoor date, but nothing happened there. I'm on the apps, but it's... Like, you know, Hinge, there's a new app called The Locks Club that I have paid for and I'm on. Um, but I'm like solely seeing men from New York and L.A. It is uh, it's not fun. You know, I, I don't leave my apartment that much. I'm, I'm trying to take the pandemic, the panini, the panorama, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> as uh, seriously as I can. So kind of makes it tough. Are you doing virtual dates at all? I haven't really yet because there's... There's nothing that's really come of my experiences on the apps. It's it's kind of sad. So the apps are all there, but there's nothing really happening. Yeah. What's it like dating as a gay Jewish man? 
Are you only looking for Jews? Are you looking for anyone? Does it make it hard to please your nice Jewish mother? What are the expectations when you're gay and Jewish? That That's a really, really great question. You know, I grew up within the Jewish community. I am actively involved in the Jewish community. And like that sort of idea of like Jewish continuity is is like really ingrained in me. The fact that like, you know, you should marry a Jew to have Jewish babies and, you know, propagate the Jewish people and the Jewish community. Um, and like, sometimes that feels less of a necessity um, within like the gay sphere because I am not technically making children with a partner. Um, I hope one day to adopt or, you know, something along that nature. I, I do very much want kids, but no, it, it's something that I think about, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll set hinge to Jewish being a deal breaker. Um, but then, you know, within uh, Boston, at least the, the options are kind of limited. Is this why you keep looking in LA and New York? Well, this other app just like doesn't have boundaries yet. Like it doesn't have like geolocation fences. Um, I think they're, they're adding it eventually. But no, like I think ideally I like do want a Jewish partner because even if like the ideas of, you know, be fruitful and multiply, which is a commandment in Judaism, um, is not technically happening. For me, it's like about just sharing those experiences and like a, a mutual experience of, of growing up and rituals and, you know, values and ideas. Not to say that people who aren't Jewish, like, don't have those same values. I think they do. But like the way that it's rooted. It's a different culture, even if the values are the same. It's a different culture. There's, there's, yeah, even if the values are the same, you know, where they find those sources are different. And it's just like the, the language doesn't always line up. So like it, it is important to me, but it's, it, it, it can be challenging. Would you say that your options are better when you go, when you go to visit friends in New York or LA and you're like using the app radius there? Like, do you have more options for dates or? Oh God. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm in New York or I'm at home in Chicago, it's, it feels way better. Would you ever move permanently back to a place where just the dating options were better just for that exact reason so you could find a Jewish partner? Not for that exact reason, um, but I have like certainly considered moving back to Chicagoland, you know, be closer to family. And also I just think there is like a difference of options available there. So it would be a perk. It wouldn't be like a reason. Did you do Jewish youth groups growing up or camp or anything like that? Yeah, I did both. You did both. Okay. What was it like being gay and growing up? I don't know when you came out. We actually never really talked about your coming out story and we don't need to, if unless you want to share. Middle school, like end of middle school, early high school. Uh, we talked a bit earlier about how a lot of these spaces are actually very gender segregated and heteronormative. Yeah. Did you find that to be the case for you? Tell me about your experience. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting. I was either, I don't know where it was. It might've been on TikTok or somewhere else. I saw a comment from a gay man saying that like, we didn't have like the middle school and high school experiences that our heterosexual peers did. And so that's why sometimes like, I don't exactly know what I'm getting at here, but like why relationships between gay men can just feel different sometimes. Maybe I'm, I'm not trying to make a claim about how relationships are, but we are sort of deprived of those like developmental moments. But yeah, at camp it, it was, not isolating per se, but, you know, at, at my camp and I'm sure at other camps as well, people go on things called Shabbat walks and they'll ask people on, you know, a Shabbat walk. It doesn't actually mean anything. It like maybe means you 
hold hands at dinner or something, but that's like not something that I ever did. And and youth group especially has like a huge hookup culture. And like, I just, I, I didn't participate in that. It was something I discussed and was aware of, but as a gay man there, there were, I never really felt like there was a large community at the same time that I was involved. And I think that's changing now, which is great. Not that the culture should stay the same because it is toxic, but that there should be like-minded peers. Were you ever left out of the conversations or even just regular other hangout? Like I know that when you're at overnight camp, it's a bunch of guys in a in a bunk for a month. And when you're at youth group, you're staying in hotel rooms with your friends. Did you ever uh, feel like you weren't included because of your sexual identity? No, I never did. And also I think I was aware of my status as a gay man versus my peers as heterosexual men and would like sort of stake my claim in the conversations and would like participate in the moment. Um, It's funny, a majority of my friends are either heterosexual men or straight women. So I've, I've never really had like a robust community of gay male friends. I've never felt like unincluded in the conversations among my peers. My experience is just different and I like, I don't shy away from that. Yeah, one of the things I discussed with a a previous guest was just sort of the idea that like at camp, a lot of guys will do communal showering. Like they'll be like, what do we need shower curtains for? And like just shower together and it's totally not gay. But like, you know, at the same time, there were still boundaries on what you could or couldn't do even in those spaces to not be associated with gayness. And I guess when you have a roommate that is gay, they're going to shy away from the no homo jokes. Or did they not? And you were just like, whatever, put it up with it or didn't give a shit. No, I'm, I count myself pretty lucky in camp and youth group. And like, especially as I got older, uh, the people that I surrounded myself with were all very open-minded, like intelligent, thoughtful, kind people. Um, And those types of comments, like maybe I just don't remember them, but I can't really recall an instance where my peers ever spoke that way towards me, around me. If anything, like I would self-police like in those moments, like sometimes (laughs) my peers at youth group events, like would there was one moment at a youth group event where it was in my synagogue and so i was hosting a bunch of my friends at my home and at like 11 o'clock at night like three of them all piled into the shower together that's something that like i chose to like not be a part of i mean you literally just described the average jewish youth group experience right there just them everyone deciding to pile into a shower together oh absolutely no it was funny Yeah, I know. People think it's weird. When I tell them about, like, showering with my friends in high school and, like, how it really wasn't weird and it was just, like, a way of being, like, I don't want to say intimate in a sexual way, but, like, intimate in a friend way with your friends. It's just, it was nice. Yeah. I was on swim team in high school, too. Like, that, like, the showering was a part of our high school experience. You know, after practice, you got to get all the chlorine off. Um, And I was, like, a highly respected member of the team. I was captain in my senior year of high school. Yeah, studies have shown that the more naked people you see, the better you feel about yourself. I feel like a lot of people feel a lot of shame around their bodies, but I've noticed that the people who are the most comfortable with their bodies, even as adults, are people who had a lot of naked experiences growing up, no matter what body size you were, what you were doing. I could be wrong. Maybe there was, I, I like, I say this as a straight woman where penis size doesn't ever come into play in terms of how people judge us. But like even having big boobs or small boobs, just being around your friends, being naked really helped with the self-esteem in terms of 
I, I honestly think that the youth group experience of like group naked experiences are part of why I'm so body positive today. Yeah. In general, I like, I, I count myself pretty lucky in regards to like my developmental experiences in high school and swim team youth group camp. I know that's like not very much not the experience for every gay man. And like, especially you include my status as like a cisgendered white gay man who is like, you know, economically safe. And I like was always surrounded by good people, caring people, kind people, people who knew that I was gay, but it like was not a defining future of who I was. And if I wanted it to be, it could be. And, you know, we're always aware of language and how, you know, they spoke around me, how I was a part of the community. And so. Did you ever feel like you couldn't be gay and Jewish? It's a good question. Um, I no. And I know that like, again, isn't the case for a lot of people in, in university. I was involved within the Orthodox student group. I mean, I, I grew up within like the reform liberal Jewish world. And so obviously there, there isn't a lot of barriers to being gay and Jewish. They have done a lot of work for inclusion in those spaces, but even in the Orthodox spheres that I participated in, my peers were not odd around me. I was welcomed with open arms into those communities. Um, a year after I graduated, the president of the Orthodox student group at my school was an out gay man. And that was like a, that was like a big deal. There's a lot of stereotypes, I think, about people who participate in a religion and what that means. And there's this assumption that if you participate in religion in any way, you must be conservative. You're not allowed to be different in any way. You're not allowed to be uh, like, you know, anything except for heterosexual or white or want marriage and kids. And there's a lot of stigma within the gay community around religion because of people's past experiences, how like certain faiths treat homosexuality. And so like people stay away. I could see it being an easier conversation with another Jewish gay person than a non-Jewish gay person, just because at least that Jewish gay person has a better, more complex understanding of how their gay identity intersects with their Jewish identity versus someone who was ostracized by the church or any other religion and was told you cannot be gay in this religion. Yeah, absolutely. When you were working for the fraternity and you were basically traveling from region to region for the organization that I worked for, um, did you meet other gay staff? Was it like, uh, I don't want to say hunting ground, but like, was it good for, for networking for potential dating purposes or even just building the LGBT network that you have? I, like for friendship? Oh, within the organization I worked for, there were two other gay male staff members, one of whom I was I was quite close with. We had a, a really great working relationship and, and friendship relationship. Another one, not so much. I think there were just some some personality clashes, but you know, that happens in an office also. Like we all lived together. So it was a very, a very tense environment. In terms of like networking with other people. I want to say that like my my sexuality was never something I led with on the road. I was much more content to let my role. Yes, you were you were very professional. I I tried to be. I I was I I was much happier to let my role and my Jewish identity come forward first. Not to say that I was ashamed of it because I'm I'm not, but I felt like I was there to do a job. I wanted to be as helpful as I could be, but it did like bring me into contact with, if not necessarily other gay staff people, people like yourself, 
colleagues in other regions who are just like sex positive, open-minded liberal people. I could see it being fun. I mean, I loved meeting international staff and, you know, the organization that we worked for was pluralistic, meaning that you had people from all different walks of life. So I liked having an opportunity to meet other staff who maybe were a bit more like-minded to me and not being trapped by geography. Mm -hmm. You know, like you were meeting people who were, we all sort of joined the organization for a bunch of different reasons and loving God more than anything in the world was not the reason we started working for Jewish organizations. We weren't like, wow, we really love God. We really need to go show that by working for a Jewish organization. Like that's not really people's primary motivator, I think. So it was really nice meeting other people, as you said, liberal, open-minded, sex positive, maybe not the people that you would have interacted with at home in your local community. People who were like choosing Jewish life, but weren't necessarily like religious bigots. Yeah, I, th I think both organizations that I worked for were very affirming, positive places. Who would have guessed that religion could be a place of like fun and joy and experimentation and play and not just a thing that traps you? Who would have guessed? Yeah, I think, especially within the Jewish spheres that I choose to inhabit, um, that is... In an, an intentional choice, I think I think you would agree with that, and it's something that I appreciate about it, and I love it. I love being Jewish. I love doing Jewish. I completely agree with you. I started doing some weird shit this year with my friends who are also pagan. We started combining like Jewish and pagan traditions. Yeah, and it turns out that they blend really well, and it's been a lot of fun. And I feel like I am not reducing my Jewish identity at all by incorporating things from other people. But like it involved like a high holiday retreat where I said, fuck this, I'm not going to Zoom services. I hate them in real life. Why would I go to them on Zoom? Why would I sit there on Zoom and have to pretend to not be on my phone? You know, yeah. like that would be terrible. So we went to a cottage and we did a lot of yoga and we did a, a service, like a Havdalah service that was also a high holiday service. And it was just so nice to be with, there with like other Jewish people and other people who maybe weren't Jewish, but were like open-minded to trying different things and like blending all these rituals together. And we made mulled wine to drink for oh, all of our blessings and stuff like that, right? Like it wasn't just the cheap Manischewitz. It was a lot of fun. Like it's nice that you can, you can choose the space that you want to inhabit as well and create that space. Mm -hmm. And there's all these people who want to create that with you. Any last thoughts before we take a commercial break? No, you know, just just on on that point that you were just making that, you know, you can go to a retreat on the high holy days with your pagan friends and those rituals can mesh really well. Like, I think broad scope, that's something that I appreciate about Judaism. Certain spheres will, you know, not look kindly upon that and say like, oh, that's not Judaism. But I think that's like one of the beauties of our people, of our culture, of our faith, that like you can do these things and still be an integral part of the larger community in like significant ways. It's great. That's a lovely note to take a commercial break on. Do you want to join the deviants to finding elite and actually tell people about it? Are you, like me, a fuck demon? We are launching Sex News with Ray Swag with these common phrases. We've got hats, we've got toots, that's beanies for you Americans. We've got sweatshirts, we've got crop tops, and as usual, all the art was designed by me, so it definitely has my personal flair to it. Check out the new designs at sharewithray.com slash merch slash SNWR, and pick up a piece to support the podcast today. Joey, welcome back to the podcast. Are you ready to answer a listener question? I think so. Oh boy. So this one I, I'm hoping that we'll get a little bit creative with. This listener has asked, what are unconventional ways to get STIs? Oh God. Right? Okay. So one like 
rumor, I think, that they had growing up. Like, I remember reading this in a book, but my parents gave me a good sex education. The idea that you could get pregnant from sitting on a toilet seat or the idea that you can get an STI from sitting on a toilet seat. You can't, by the way, just so you know. But there is that myth. Well, I was home for two months recently, um, home in Chicago, because I could be, and it was great to be. You know, sometimes when you're just like taking a poop, you, you sit on the toilet for a while, you scroll <laughs> through Instagram, you scroll through Twitter. Um, so not necessarily STI, but my parents were like, oh, you could get a hemorrhoid if you do that. I was like... From straining, not from sitting there with your butt relaxed scrolling. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, hemorrhoids happen when you, uh, like from pressure, like blood like blood vessels getting inflamed. And they're just like itchy or painful or sometimes they bleed because like the blood vessel just gets inflamed and like sticks out a little bit. Fascinating. It's kind of like the prolapse of your of your blood vessels in your butthole. <laughs> 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 Okay, so that's one way you definitely can't get an STI. Another thing that people think can happen that, I mean, scientifically maybe could, but is very unlikely is like getting, sitting in a hot tub with someone with an STI. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. Okay, fine. Do you want to, should I let you say? Well, like something about like the jets and the water moving, like there's always the joke about you getting pregnant through that. Wasn't that like the storyline on the first season of Glee? Yeah. That like Quinn Fabray got pregnant in the hot tub? Except she didn't. That was the lie she told her stupid boyfriend because that's not possible, but he believed her. But like people didn't watch that far. Yeah. You Corey can't Mom get pregnant. Teeth. She cheated on him. Name. That's how, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would say first, maybe we should list the conventional ways to get an STI and then maybe we'll be able to brainstorm unconventional ways to get STIs. Okay, I'll go, you go. My first thought is um, having sex with someone who has an STI without a condom. That's a conventional way. Oh, well, you took the easy one. I did. <laughs> if someone has like crabs, like if you don't shower or not like properly cleaned, I thankfully have never had an experience with an STI. So I feel like- So you're I'm, guessing here. <laughs> I feel like I'm like- grasping at threads here. Okay, I've got another one for you. Having sex with a condom and then the condom breaks. Yeah. Gym mats, you can get... So here's the funny thing about STIs. A lot of things that like... Oh, oh yeah. Oh, the wrestling team, gross, ringworm. Yeah, like a lot of things that are technically STIs, you can also get in non-sexual ways, which is why I think it's ridiculous that there's so much stigma around STIs. It's like, oh, it's fine. I got it from a gym mat, so it's okay. And it's like, and it wouldn't be okay if you got it from somewhere else. I would rather get it from a person than a gym mat. You could kiss and get mouth herpes. That's one. That's I got, I got that one. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Or actually, the reason that HSV-1 and HSV-2 are now like... There's no, this is the one for your crotch and this is the one for your mouth or because of people going down on you with, with an outbreak, <laughs> right? So there's just two strains and one is a little bit more frustrating than the other. And Oh, I don't like the word strain. No? You hear the word strain too much these days in the news. Mm, okay. Strain, variant. Ugh. Okay. Another common way of getting an STI is sharing a water bottle with your friend who had mono. Oh, yeah. Right? Straws. Straws, I mean, that's yeah. meningitis was like the like the scary meningitis thing. Like you share straws with people and then you would get meningitis and die. Yeah. Okay. Here would be an unconventional way of getting an STI. You and your friend share the same pair of jeans, like Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, but you both <laughs> went commando and it happened and you swapped out like two seconds apart from each other. Maybe she got her period blood in it and it was like carrying a trace of something and then you put them on. Um, I don't know. On that note... Maybe this could happen. You're in bed with your partner at night sleeping. You have a nocturnal emission. And whilst they are rolling around, you know, maybe you just like are a light sleeper and you roll around a lot. The nocturnal emissions get into them somehow. <laughs> and 
then they contract an STI. I don't know if that could ever happen. Oh, I, I love that idea, though. That's really fun. Well, these would be unconventional and also statistically improbable ways to get STIs. I think yeah. it's really yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. What about you are trying acro yoga with a friend and <laughs> and you are sucking in your core and that pelvic floor causes some of your discharge to squirt out of you oh, like a Jesus. man and it just gets all over their face. <laughs> and then they've got throat gonorrhea because you also had gonorrhea. I don't know. I'm trying to, I don't know if that's also physically possible. Acro yoga, that's like when you're like with a partner or is that Yeah, that's like yoga? partnered yoga. Okay, great. So there's like partnered yoga, like where you can just like sit there and hug each other. But like acro yoga is the one where like one's the base and one's the flyer. And they're like, you're holding them above, supermaning above your head with their pelvis on your feet or whatever. That looks difficult. Oh, okay. I've got another unconventional way of contracting an STI. Someone, <laughs> you are walking on the street. And someone decides that they need to spit like hockaloogie at the same time, but they don't see oh. you. <laughs> they accidentally spit in your mouth, and That's it's not kinky. Vile. <laughs> oh, it's not cute. <laughs> I like how you're just grimacing, and I'm just dying of how disgusting oh. that is over here. <laughs> in the waters on a nude beach. Ooh, that's like the jet idea. Of but nature. Like, yeah, the jets of, na- <laughs> the jets of nature. <laughs> it's, it's God's jet. <laughs> Let's bring okay. it all back around. Speaking of, okay, what if the government decides to put STIs in the water supply and then you drink it? And then because, it turns the frogs gay? Yeah, and then the frogs are gay and then the Nazis say it's a Jewish conspiracy, the neo-Nazis. I'm just saying that, like, that's an option. That, that's a good one. Um, we what love would, a good... Chemtrails! To explain this one. You know, they they put STIs in the planes and when the planes are flying overhead and, you know, you're a little kid and you look and be like, oh, look at the look at the cloud from the plane. Like there's STI juice in there and it's raining down on you. Okay, I've got another one. Are you ready? Yeah. You go back in time. You end up having sex with a sex worker using one of those lamb intestine condoms that they have. I'm actually being factual right here, by the way. I'm not making, other than the time travel. No, those are for like people, those are people who are like allergic to latex, right? Like that's one of the options. You can still use them. Yeah. But like some of the original condoms were like, like literally like hot dog, like hot dog casings used to be made from intestines. So condoms also, they would like do in, do intestines. So uh, you go back in time, you use an animal intestine for a condom but you don't realize that, you know, it was an old animal intestine. It was like one day from being off and it wasn't 99% effective the way condoms are used when used effectively. And then when you come back in time, you've got syphilis again. You're very good at these. You're very creative. I read a lot. (laughs) Do we have, I was gonna say, like we're sitting here like, what else is there? What? Like, I'm trying to think of something just, like, crazy. By the way, that someone spitting in your mouth thing, I had a, a a person that I knew from Oasis who was, like, a heavy germaphobe. And, like, they refused to take public transit or, like, walk in busy places because, like, what if a homeless person comes up and spits on you? And, like, homeless people don't just come up and spit on you. Like, this yeah, person clearly had never lived in a city. That's, like, not how society works. Yeah, like, a homeless person or someone with mental health issues isn't just coming up and spitting into my open mouth. Like, there's so many things that have to happen in, in between that. No, and if that does happen, I hope that there are people who assist that individual in getting the help that they need. Yes, I feel like there there would be many things happening before that were to happen. Yeah. This was my stalling tactic to give you more time to think of creative things. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so not creative. Ooh, okay. You are in an STI clinic doing research on STIs, and you trip and fall 
into a batch, a vat. <laughs> into an open into vat. Into an open vat, and you had a cut on your hand. No, that's actually, you can really only get HIV from like open cuts. I don't know, that one I should. You fall in, legs first, mouth open to the vat of STIs, and you just guzzle them down by accident, you know? Like when the Joker falls into the, the vat in uh, the original Batman movie, and that's how he becomes the Joker. Yes. Are, or are you thinking of Bane? No, I think in like the I think in the original Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson. Oh, I haven't seen that one. So okay, that makes sense. I've only seen like the opening scene, and I think he like literally falls into like a vat of chemicals. Well, you literally just inspired me. You've decided that you want to become a superhero, so you are going to determine the way to do so is either with gamma radiation, or you want to become Bane and pump all those chemical those plant chemicals. I'm thinking of the one with poison ivy into your veins, but um, the batch itself is the same one from the vat of STIs that you <sighs> fell in at the. No. You know what I mean? Like, um, oh, another really, really weird way of getting STIs would be if there was a superhero who their power was giving people STIs. Sounds like a super villain. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, that's their power. Just like, oh, you now have an STI and you got to go to the doctor. And that's going to be really annoying because going to the doctor is a really big inconvenience. And getting tested means you got to go to a separate clinic. So, like, it's like a their superpower is to inconvenience you in a series of mild ways. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly... That'd be the worst. It's like just a series of small things and they build and they build and they build. Yeah. Ugh. Can't be a what? villain right now. Gotta go find out if this is BV or something worse, you know? <laughs> What's BV? Bacterial vaginosis. It's kind of like a yeast infection. But mm. things vagina havers don't, or sorry, non-vagina havers don't uh, don't have to deal with. Yeah, so there's like a yeast infection, which everyone knows, which is the bacterial cultures inside of you. The pH shifts. So certain... Certain bacteria can grow and that's yeast. And bacterial vaginosis is like another one. The pH balance shifts and like shit grows in there that shouldn't be growing. I went to the doctor once and they're like, you have BV. It's not an STI. And they like kept repeating that over and over. And I'm like, okay, I believe you. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but I'm like, how can I get like, how do I get BV? They're like, I don't know, uh, wearing tight jeans, not changing your underwear every day, sitting in a bathtub. Like they listed all of these things that people just do in their everyday life. Like living. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so what I'm hearing is that I shouldn't really change anything about the way I'm living because there's nothing I could have done to prevent this. And she's like, yep. And I'm like, cool. Thanks. See you later. Thanks for the pills. That's showbiz, baby. Yeah. Okay. Any last uh, unconventional ways to get STIs that we can think of? Oh, I wish I was more creative. I'm trying to like... Is there like a Jewish experience that could result in an STI? Let's really bring that home. Okay, I've got it. I've got it. I've got a Jewish one. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and your friend are in Hevruta partner text study. Okay. And as you flip the page of the Torah, you've like licked your finger. Oh, okay. Earlier, literally right before you did this, you masturbated. You didn't wash your hands after. You then flip the page of, of whatever you're reading, of the book, the text that you're reading, and then your partner takes it over and then licks their finger or touches their eyeball or, oh, I don't know, puts it directly into an open wound. Or they maybe it's a masturbation hover to study. That takes the cake. And you're studying. I'm in a class this semester where we are studying, like, sex in uh like the rabbinic period and the medieval period. It's 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 really like through a Jewish lens. It's really cool. So what I'm hearing is that could be possible. Like not no. Also not yes. <laughs> not no, but not, yeah. Joey, would you like to be followed anywhere? Um, Is it okay if I say no? Yeah, you can say no. We respect your boundaries here. No. Yeah, my husband came on and he also was like, don't follow me. Don't find me. I'm unfindable. <laughs> Do not perceive me. Yes. You are ineffable. Oh, like the name of God. Yep. <laughs> if you would like to join the Deviants Defining Elite, 
You can follow the podcast at Sex News with Ray on Facebook and Instagram and submit a listener question through the sec- uh, through the website sharewithray.com slash podcast or email sexnewswithray at gmail.com. Follow me at WifeBayRay on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, Razor Latex on Instagram, and OnlyFans. If you like old school vintage Playboy centerfolds, you will like my OnlyFans. If you like porn, you will not. This podcast is engineered and produced by Dave Meisner and is hosted at sexuswithray.podbean.com. The theme music is by Blank and Brilliant. Special thank you to Blue Microphones. Photography for our logo is by Dolly Shots Photography.